Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Tuesday, August 25th, 2020. I'm one of your hosts, Blessing Adioya Jr. And joining me is the busiest lady in the business, Andrea Renee. What's good, Blessing? Andrea, how's it going? It's going pretty great. It's a busy week here. We got Gamescom Digital happening in just a couple of days. Yes. Lots of spicy news that continues to roll out. I'm, I'm having a pretty good day today. Two, two things I want to touch on. One, this is our first time hosting together, which is really exciting. I've been looking yeah, forward absolutely. for a long time. Uh, number two, what are your, your excitement slash expectation levels for Gamescom? Because now that it's here, I feel like it's kind of snuck up on us. It's like a thing that I've not really thought about until literally this week. Now that it's here, where are you at in terms of excitement? I am predicting that Gamescom Digital and Opening Night Live, Jeff Keighley's show that's happening on Thursday, are probably going to be the biggest spectacle show that we have this year outside of whatever really? Jeff is doing for the Game Awards later. You know, he confirmed in an interview with Ryan McCaffrey yesterday that, yes, the Game Awards are happening. But this summer of gaming, this rolling set of announcements that we've had for the last couple of months has quite honestly been a little bit lackluster because it's been so stretched out. It doesn't feel like there's been too many really big punchy moments. I think PlayStation had a really great one back mm -hmm. in May, and then the Xbox Game Showcase was also really well done. And I kind of feel like it's going to have a nice end cap with opening night live this week. Yeah, that's what I kind of hope, because with DC fandom kind of being the latest in terms of the big showcases, I made a comment there, and I've been thinking about it a little bit, that... Man, imagine if E3 was still happening this year. Like, imagine if E3 happened and we got Suicide Squad and uh, Gotham Knights there. Imagine we got, like, all the other games that were supposed to be at E3, right? Including Ub the Ubisoft Forge stuff that we got. Imagine if that was all in one place. Like, that would have been incredible. And because, of course, like, everything went down so that E3 had to be, can be canceled and everything. Like, everything had to get spread all over the place. We're now in a place where we've had enough time to kind of adjust and get used to the current situation that I can see opening night live kind of being the, the return of that kind of thing, right? Where everybody comes together and shows off their games. And so I'm, I'm excited for what might be there. Yeah. Well, I mean, Jeff historically has had some pretty big announcements and some pretty big showcases. I mean, PT came from Gamescom, right? And yeah. I think that, you know, we, Knowing that the show is going to be like over two hours long, I think that we're going to get some some good stuff. And traditionally, because Gamescom is at the end of the summer and right before when the big marketing push for all the AAAs for holiday happens, it's when we're get, we usually see new trailers or get new announcements. So I'm really looking forward to seeing some stuff. I'm I'm hoping that maybe one of the consoles I'm thinking potentially Xbox Series X gives us some hardware details, maybe a release date, maybe a price, but who knows. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you, too. And we're going to talk a little bit more about Gamescom because, of course, today's stories include more details on that rumored new, new Switch model, uh, the results of that Epic versus Apple court ruling, and some Call of Duty leaks because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily each and every week at 10 a.m. live right here on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. If you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, roosteeth.com, or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for Kind of Funny Games daily. To be a part of the show, head to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames or bronze members or above get to write in, and silver members or above get the show ad-free with the exclusive daily post show. Uh, housekeeping, Gamescom opening night live, as we were just talking about, is happening this Thursday. You can catch us reacting to it live right here on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames right after 
Thursdays, Kind of Funny Games Daily. Uh, it'll be your regular Reacts crew. That's me, Andy, Greg, and Tim talking everything opening night live. So tune in, get excited, get hype. Uh, thank you to our Patreon producers, Mohammed Mohammed and Blackjack. Today we're brought to you by Klarna and Bespoke Post, but I'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. Oh, are you doing like the... What? The, what is that? He's, he's doing the machine what? sound, which we can barely hear on our side. Kevin, come on. Kevin, we need the voice, Kevin. We need the vocal cords. Do it for Andrea. All right, he's being lazy this morning. I'm, I'm going to let it slide because Boo, Kevin's sounded tired. I'm disappointed. <laughs> Kevin sounded tired before the show, so I'm going to let it slide this one time. Uh, it's time for some news. We have five stories today. A baker's dozen. Starting with our number one, uh, we have even more details on that new Switch model. We talked about we talked about this a little bit yesterday because that's when rumors started to to percolate. Uh, we have even more details thanks to Takashi Mochizuki at Bloomberg, who writes: Nintendo plans to debut an upgraded model of the Switch next year alongside a new lineup of games. Uh, people familiar with the matter have said. The specifications of the new machine have yet to be finalized, though the Kyoto-based company has looked into including more computing power and 4K high-definition graphics. People briefed on the strategy told Bloomberg News asking not to be identified because it is private. Nintendo faces stiff competition for gamers' attention this fall, uh, as the PS5 and Xbox Series X are set to arrive in time for the shopping season. The release of the upgraded Switch would be coupled with or followed by a slew of games from Nintendo itself and related outside studios, the people said. Those games would address a wide range of players from casual gamers seeking small doses of escapism to more de- more devoted fans putting in marathon gaming sessions. The focus on next year's pipeline explains Nintendo's relatively quiet software release schedule so far this year, the people have said. The gaming giant has seen record-breaking hit Animal Crossing New Horizons and the, and the protracted COVID-19 pandemic spark a rally of more than 70% in its share price since the game's release in March. The company has struggled to keep up with demand for its existing Switch and Switch Lite, though it said earlier this month that its its production bottleneck has largely been resolved. This has been helped by plunging. This has been helped by plunging smartphone demand, releasing su- releasing some of the pressure on suppliers. Assembly of Nintendo's next console isn't expected to begin until next year because production partners are busy with making the current models, according to the people informed. Nintendo has sold 61 million Switch consoles in the period between its March 2017 launch and the end of June this year. Extending the console's lifespan with a spec'd up version is likely to make it the company's longest-lived console generation. Andrea, where are you at in terms of where we're at with a new Switch model and what that can do for the console? It's interesting because what we don't quite know yet is if this new Switch model, what a lot of people, myself included, are kind of colloquially dubbing the Switch Pro, is going to segment the current base of Switch users. Now, we saw the Nintendo 3DS do this, and we've actually already seen it with the Nintendo Switch itself, with the Switch Lite, and how we've already had some segmentation in users with some games being able to be played only on the you know, traditional Switch model and not the Switch Lite because of the detachable Joy-Cons. So if they do have one that's more powerful, I would be curious to know exactly how that's going to affect legacy software because Nintendo doesn't have the best track record of making their old software compatible with new software. They make you rebuy it, which obviously lots of Nintendo fans have no problem doing, myself included. But I think that it's something to watch. Now, we all know that Nintendo is never going to go directly head-to-head against PS5 and Series X as far as 
graphical capabilities, power, but most importantly, online features. But I, I'm really hoping, like, as a Nintendo fan, that they do offer at least something like we've gotten before on previous Nintendo, Nintendo, Nintendo systems, like maybe a web browser would be nice. Oh and God, yeah. maybe apps. Or like Netflix. Apps, yeah, like Netflix. I remember watching Rainbow Bright on my 3DS when Netflix first came out just because I could. But you can't mm -hmm. do that on your Switch. Yeah. I'm, I think this comes down to, you know, some of the things they, they mentioned in this Bloomberg report, right? They say more computing power and 4K high-definition graphics. How big of a jump is the jump between the Switch and the Switch Pro? Because for me, I've always imagined it as an Xbox One to an Xbox One X jump or a PlayStation to a PlayStation Pro jump, a uh, PlayStation 4 Pro jump, right? Where it is, yeah, these are, this is the same console, it's the same ecosystem, but you're going to see your games look better and function better. Nintendo as a company has never really struck me as the company that has balanced that specific thing, thing well, right? Like, Nintendo is good at making software that... that you know, might not be the most technologically advanced, you know, powerful, taking advantage of the hardware type stuff, but it's still fun to play and still sells well because it is beloved IP, beloved franchises. And so my question to this would be, what is the purpose of the, the uh, higher computing power? Is that to have exclusive games be on the Switch Pro or is that to then incentivize third parties you know that are making games for xbox series x to, to uh or ps5 uh, to want to scale down and want to match the power of a switch pro and what does that do to the original switch like does that then cut off that library like i have a lot of questions about mm -hmm. this and how this is going to go down that i'm interested to see well i definitely think third party support is something that nintendo wants because when third party publishes on nintendo platforms nintendo makes money from it right and they don't have to bear the brunt of the development costs they just take their platform fee like everybody else does but I think the question of, like, you know, what is maybe Nintendo first party doing in the way of more powerful games and games that are doing more and what does that look like for them is kind of the big question mark. But like, what do they have potentially in the pipeline that's going to need more juice? And I don't know what that game would be because we've already seen the Switch do a game like Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, right? Mm -hmm. So we know Breath of the Wild 2 is already in development and is fully functional on the Switch as is, but... Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to watch. I think Nintendo, as always, marches to the beat of their own drum and is doing their own thing. And I don't necessarily agree with the assessment here that they're going to be competing against what Xbox and PlayStation are doing. I think they're always in their own ecosystem. But, you know, yeah. we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I mean, the, the new story, yeah, it does mention Nintendo faces stiff competition for gamers' attention this fall, which I think is true in the sense that like, yeah, you don't want to release like a big new Switch console right now, right? Like alongside the PS5 and the Xbox Series X, because yeah, that is a lot, that is a lot of mind space being taken up by all, like all these different companies. But yeah, I'm, 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 I'm with you in terms of it's not direct competition with Nintendo. Uh, I think what makes this whole, this, this fall uh, going into spring situation interesting is We've, we've seen Nintendo's year kind of get thrown off in terms of what COVID has done to the lineup, in terms of us having really like nothing to look forward to that is concrete uh, with a date from Nintendo right now, uh, with the exception of Pikmin 3. Like Pikmin 3 Remastered is like the one thing uh, that is dated from Nintendo that yeah, is like a yeah, first party thing. Who's like waiting with bated breath for like a up version of Pikmin 3? I yeah. mean, 
I don't know when you've got I mean, when you've got the fans. fall lineup that's happening this year. That to me is at the is at the bottom of the list compared we, to we, games like I mean, we Call of Duty, this. Cyberpunk, Assassin's Creed. Me and There's you had a, a lot had a back and forth on on Twitter uh, when they came out and they talked about their numbers, right? And like Nintendo fans are all about that uh, that attachment rate, right? Like the top three games on Switch are at least 20, uh, 20 million sold out of about sixty million consoles, which means like. That attachment rate is ridiculous. And so, like, Pikmin 3 could come out and it could sell, what, like, I'm going to guess 5 billion copies. And that's going to be uh, crazy for that game. But I mean, that's a yeah. very generous estimate for, for, like, a deluxe edition. I mean, I mean, for Pikmin 3, yes, it is generous. But even for deluxe editions, right? Like, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is a deluxe edition. and that is No, no, no. Mario Kart, Mario Kart does not get to be compared <laughs> against Pikmin. I mean, it's a, it's a deluxe edition, though. <laughs> It is, I yes, mean, it is in the same exact vein of that's Pit, true, but Mario Kart is one of their most iconic franchises, yes. like across generations. So. And that sold around 26 million. And yeah. so, like, 5 million for Pikmin 3, high for, for the Pikmin franchise, but with that Switch boost, like, you never know. You never know what the Switch boost is going to do for a franchise. Like, Animal you're Crossing, not, I don't think anybody there. expected to sell that much. Absolutely not. Like, I don't yeah. think like, even the most insane Animal Crossing fans probably never would have predicted it would surpass pokemon sales right mm -hmm. so i think that that you know is really indicative of kind of where gamers are at in the year of the pandemic and what they're looking for and the experiences they're looking for and obviously the economic situations around the world are going to you know impact holiday spending this year in a bigger way than i think a lot of us realize because you know i think just in the United States, where over 30 million people have filed for unemployment benefits, it's it's really crazy to kind of think of how different the whole like Black Friday situation is going to be this year. But, yeah. Oh but yeah. I mean, definitely. Um, but yeah, I mean, to the point of we don't have much to look forward to from Nintendo uh, on the first party slate right now. The new story here, right? Uh, Bloomberg does report the new Switch model plans to release alongside a lineup of new games. Andrea, do you have any idea? like what that could be, right? Because I imagine, like my mind really jumps to Breath of the Wild 2. Like that, it makes sense to release that alongside a new Switch Pro model, right? Because yep. that is a premier franchise. That is the type of game that your hardcore audience is going to want, right? And they also mentioned the new story that uh, they want to hit both sides as far as like their hardcore fan base and uh, their casual players. And so yep. you imagine that's one of them. But like what else comes to mind in terms of a new uh, lineup of Switch games coming out alongside the Switch Pro? Hmm, well, we... Probably are going to get something else from Mario. I mean, I'm still crossing my fingers for Super Mario Galaxy 3. But, I mean, oh, yeah. Odyssey 2. I mean, I think the debate goes back and forth about what the next kind of big Mario title is going to be. That would go really well with a new Switch model. I think uh, another element of the in the Pokemon franchise. I mean, we know that... Pokemon has something that they're working on, as as they always do. I think mm -hmm. that would be a really great thing to launch. Pokemon historically has sold hardware for Nintendo. But we also don't have an update on what's happening with Metroid, right? So oh, <laughs> where's yeah. that game? Where's Bayonetta 3, for that matter? Where's that game? <laughs> Bayonetta 3 is the game that keeps <laughs> fucking up my uh, fantasy drafts. Because like on PS Love You, we have our uh, video game fantasy draft, which we do uh, for PlayStation specific. I have a couple of fantasy drafts that I do with friends uh, that aren't like on podcasts. They're just for fun. And I every year, or at least the last couple of years, I picked Bayonetta 3. Always thinking that, oh yeah, of course, this is going to be the year. This is going to be the year where we see it. And we just never see it. 
I know. I don't know what's taking so long for that game because I don't think anybody is expecting them to reinvent the wheel for Bayonetta because the the what they did between Bayonetta and Bayonetta 2 I thought was sufficient enough. Like I really have enjoyed yeah. those games and I don't think fans of Bayonetta want something that's going to be radically different and the franchise hasn't been a long, around long enough to do like a reboot of any kind. So I don't know what's happening. But obviously, again, like COVID has impacted production pipelines all over the world. And I know that some of the Asian countries have been hit especially hard with yeah. their work from home situations. So, oh man, I don't know. But yeah, those are, that's, that's what I'm thinking. We shall see. Uh, story number two, we have our verdict. Apple doesn't have to immediately reinstate Fortnite on its app store. This is from Adam Bankhurst at IGN. Uh, Apple has taken an early victory in its legal battle with Epic Games as the court ruled it doesn't have to immediately reinstate Fortnite on its app store. As reported by Bloomberg, U.S. District Judge Yvonne Gonzalez Rogers made the ruling late Monday night, but it wasn't a total loss for Epic Games as she also granted Epic's request for a temporary restraining order blocking Apple from limiting the game developer's ability to provide Unreal Engine key graphics technology for other apps. Uh, Rogers was very clear in saying that the case isn't a slam dunk for either Apple or Epic Games and that these temporary rulings will not dictate the final outcome of the litigation. There'll be another hearing on September 28th to discuss a longer term solution. This legal battle between Apple and Epic uh, began when Epic altered the price of Fortnite V-Bucks and implemented a new direct payment system that would get around Apple and Google's exorbitant app store fees. Andrea, have you been following this whole Epic versus Apple situation? Oh, oh yes, blessing. I where, 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 where do you stand in this back and forth in this, con this continu continuing battle we've seen between them? I think they both are bad actors in, in this situation. Mm. I support Epic's desire to uplift devs. I famously on many episodes of KFGD said that I think what Epic did with the Epic Game Store was great. And of course, all the Steam fanboys were happy to drag me for it. That's fine. But I think supporting developers is awesome. And I think the way that Epic is going about it, though, has been really head scratching for me. And quite frankly, I thought the I thought the 1984 stunt they pulled was was bad. And I wasn't a fan of it. This whole hashtag free Fortnite business is to me childish in some in, ways. And in what in what in what ways do you feel, did you feel like it was bad? Well, 1984 and what Apple did. I mean, 1984 just as a, a narrative property has a lot of really important cultural significances. And I think that. Apple just tossed that aside to make, quite frankly, a bad joke and was really reductive of the historical significance of that. Mm -hmm. Not just with what Apple did, but with what 1984 is on its face. So yeah. I, just, I just didn't like it. I think also that Epic has, for lack of a better term, like weaponized their fan base and their consumers, especially since there's so many of their consumers that don't even know about the legacy of where 1984 comes from with communism and Big Brother and the, all of the themes around that. Yeah. And I also think that Epic agreed to a set of terms in the Apple App Store that they had no problem abiding by for however many years that they've been functioning on those iOS platforms, but they just suddenly decided that they want to rebel like a teenager. Like, mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with them bringing litigation against Apple, right? There's a lot of reasons to be mad at Apple. But I think the way that they did it, to me, was irresponsible. And 
now not only are consumers in the lurch, but their devs were as well. So I'm glad the judge yeah. granted, you know, this injunction and said, hey, like, yo, this like spat between you guys going back and forth is getting a little ridiculous. It's not fair to the, the developers who are using Unreal to be caught in the crossfire. You know, if you guys want to have a, a, a battle about it, that's fine. Now, Microsoft throwing its hat in the ring yesterday, or really was over the weekend when Phil Spencer tweeted about it, to mm. me is really a weird wrinkle because Microsoft also runs their own platform, which takes platform fees. And I'm like, wait, what are you talking about? I don't understand I mean, why you're like, you're like standing behind Epic, like you're like backing them up in like a schoolyard mm -hmm. fight. Like, oh, it's like you do the exact same thing that Apple does. Yeah, and I, and I'm 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 with you on literally every, everything you you just said from the Microsoft standpoint of it. I think for me the difference would be that uh, Apple has more uh, strict guidelines in terms of uh, how they operate in their store, right? And like my, Microsoft specifically, I think is obviously jumping in because of the X Cloud stuff, and because the more and more we see those walls break down with Apple and uh, how they kind of monopolize their space and how they have those those, those strict barriers that you know, allow for Apple to, to reign supreme and, and reign powerful, right? The more and more you break that down, the more and more xCloud has a chance on being of being on uh, uh, the App Store. Uh, so you have that. And then you also have the fact that, like, there are Microsoft games that you use Unreal Engine. And so if Apple fucks with Unreal Engine, then, like, what does that do for Hellblade uh, 2, which is supposed to run on Unreal Engine 5 and other Microsoft games that are uh, supposed to run on that engine? And so right. I, there, there's, that, there's that too. But I'm definitely with you on this side of, Following this whole thing, I've been of the mind that I hope Epic wins this battle as much as they can. Like I, I hope they win because if 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 they get everything they want, that is going to be good for industry, for the industry and developers and creators and all this different stuff. But it's hard for me to really rally behind and be like, oh yeah, hashtag free Fortnite and all this stuff because of what you're saying, right? Like because of some of the things they're invoking with the 1980 Fortnite stuff, uh, but then also like the way the way in which they have weaponized their audience, which I'm not totally against except for the fact that so much of their audience is kids and so much of their audience is like you know people under the age of let me just say the under the age of 18 who might not uh you know be totally aware of that source material or be totally aware of like this big corporate battle that they don't necessarily need to take part in right the idea that epic is having people do their bidding for them or having kids do their bidding for them like i'm totally fine with adults being like oh yeah hashtag free fortnite because they're aware and they've done the research and they know what they're fighting for and all that stuff. oh that's no oh, come on blessing you know the vast majority of people using the hashtag even if they're adults probably have no idea what they're tweeting sure about. yes I but said like that, I, I said that I, when I it came the, out the benefit of, of the doubt yeah, well, that's that's nice of you. I'm mm -hmm. not, and maybe it's just because I've seen too many trolls on the internet to know better. But like, I think, I think what's you know really interesting about where this is going to land is that like I'm. I think you and I are aligned in the sense that I think it would be good for Apple to walk back the percentage that they're taking. Apple has plenty of freaking money. They don't need to continue to take the amount of platform fees that they had. But I also lean a little bit more libertarian in the sense that like they also built that platform and they get to charge an entry fee to the platform. And you can either sign up to pay that fee or you can say, you know what, I don't want to sell my product here. Because saying mm -hmm. that Apple is a monopoly and you can only and they're the only platform to sell your product on is just categorically false in a variety of ways, which we don't need to get into here. But yeah. I also think that they don't need any more money, that they can at this point of the like dynasty of Apple can say, you know what? 
we've we've made a lot of money, much like Epic did, to say we've made a lot of money off of Fortnite. So we're we're gonna walk back the split that we were taking from developers, and instead we're gonna really empower developers on the Epic Game Store to publish and make more money and support their team and support creative development. Apple could do the same thing, and I think that they would come out looking like a good guy, and they still wouldn't be hurting for money because they have over a trillion yeah, dollars. Because it's, it's it's Apple. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that's why, like, even going into this core ruling, I don't, I don't think any of us were really expecting Epic to come out of this, you know, having Fortnite be reinstated back on the App Store. Because in the end, like, legal-wise, Apple's in the right here. Epic agreed to those terms of service. Epic knew what they were getting to when they put Fortnite on the app, uh, on the App Store, right? Like, Apple legal legal wise is totally in the right here uh but even like even to, to see the little win on on the epic side as far as hey yeah we're allowing unreal engine to still continue to exist on on the app store we're not we're not gonna let apple get in the way of that uh i think it is kind of pushing in the right direction in terms of what this back and forth looks like uh and the uh the judge here right mentioning that hey this case isn't a slam dunk on either side also gives me hope because it does feel like somewhat of a slam dunk on the apple side in terms of uh where they stand legally like i don't i i i think epic's fight is just but like they they are the ones who are skirting behind uh uh, uh the rules right or skirting around the rules and doing their own thing and, and trying right. to push for a thing that for all intents and purposes like they didn't agree to and so we're going to continue to see what the result of this battle is uh as new stories keep trickling in because it feels like an every other day thing now where where there's an update on this and so Curious to see what happens uh, September 28th when there is another hearing. Yeah, absolutely. And I hope that they can find some kind of uh, like a ceasefire, for, for lack of a better phrase, so that way developers, you know, aren't going to be impacted and yeah. that hopefully iOS Fortnite players can also you know, resume playing the game once the new update comes out. Because I know that they have access right now, but they're going to probably lose access in the not too distant future. So... Yeah, I just want them to like keep their legal money drama battles, you know, in the courts where it belongs. Yeah. Story number three, Andrew, this is one that you brought to my attention. There's been a huge Call of Duty leak. This is from Emma Kent at Eurogamer. We're a day out from the official reveal of Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, and the leaks are coming in thick and fast. As yet, another data mine has revealed the official description for the title and even a possible release date. The full description for Black Ops Cold, Cold War was posted by COD Tracker and reveals the game is a direct sequel to the original Black Ops. Set in the midst of the Cold War in the 1980s, players will battle around the globe through, through iconic locales like East Berlin, Vietnam, Turkey, Soviet KGB headquarters, and more as part of the campaign. Quote, as elite operatives, you will follow the trail of a shadowy figure named Perseus who is on a mission to, to destabilize the global balance of power and change the course of history, the, the description adds. Quote, uh, descend into the dark center of this global conspiracy alongside iconic characters Woods, Mason, and Hudson, and a new cast of operatives attempting to stop a plot decades in the making, end quote. Alongside the campaign, the description confirms that Cold War will feature both multiplayer and zombie experiences. The description isn't the only Black, Op Black Ops Cold War leak to have spilled today, however, as the Modern Wars Warzone Twitter account also managed to find a potential release date of the uh, November 13th in the files for Call of Duty, Bla uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. The files, the files also hint at a multiplayer reveal for Cold War on September 9th. Andrea, what is your reaction to all of this? 
I mean, Call of Duty leaks every single year. It's no surprise that all of this information has leaked because we know that the reveal is happening tomorrow. The official Call of Duty Twitter account has tweeted that 10.30 a.m. Pacific time on August 26th is kind of when everything's going to go live. So we're very close to that, right? Less than a... We're almost exactly 24 hours away from the official reveal. Uh, a November 13th release date also makes sense. Call of Duty historically yeah. always releases in November, so no surprise there. They want to probably time it around the new consoles, potentially lining up with one of the consoles, maybe. And we also usually get a multiplayer reveal after a campaign reveal for Call of Duty, so getting a multiplayer reveal on September 9th also makes sense. So, like, this, this feels like a lot of things are probably accurate with this reveal and this leak. But, I mean, I think it's interesting. The way that Treyarch ran Black Ops 4 was very different, right? They didn't have a traditional campaign mm -hmm. in, in the last Black Ops title. And obviously that is changing for this title based off everything we've seen so far, even the teasers that we've gotten directly from Call of Duty. I am interested to see how they're going to you know, kind of pivot from the very intense, realistic campaign that Modern Warfare had in the reboot last year to a, a more Black Ops action-focused title. But I guess we're going to find out exactly what it looks like tomorrow. Yeah, this, th this game has to be, like, in the top five leakiest games of all time. Because over the last year, <laughs> oh, yeah. I've, I feel like I've learned so much about this game. Like, it was toward the beginning of the year where we knew what the actual na name of the game was. Uh, I think we've known since maybe last year that it was going to be a Black Ops coming this year as opposed to whatever else was scheduled because of the, um, what we know the the uh, uh, traditional Call of Duty cycle to be. Like, we've known so much. It was a couple weeks ago where we got, like, the, I think it was Taco Bell, or maybe it was, like, Cheetos or something, or maybe Doritos. I think it was Doritos, where he got like the name of the game on like a bag of Doritos or something. Like, oh yeah, it's mm -hmm. it's, it's been a very leaky ride for this game. Uh, we're gonna see more at opening night live, which I'm excited about. And it's it's been it's been fun and interesting to see like how they've gone about the uh, the rollout to this one specifically because this is a very non traditional Call of Duty rollout, right? Like usually we get Call of Duty in like May. Usually mm -hmm. we get more at E3. Usually by now we would have gotten the the most player reveal. Like they're the, the, they're going about this in a very interesting way, probably because of, com of a combination of a few things, right? Like you have COVID, you have no E3, you have uh, new consoles, you have so much happening, and yeah, like. At this point, like it is not a, with with everything going on, it is not surprising how leaky this thing is. Uh, at this point, I'm just like, yo, just show me, just show me. I'm ready to see it. Like I'm I'm tired of of, of seeing this thing everywhere else except for an official reveal. And so, be on the lookout did, tomorrow. Did you did you play the original Black Ops? Not the campaign. No, I played I played all the Black Ops, but I've not played the campaigns because I'm not a Call of Duty campaign person. Like those campaigns have never really spoke to me, and so I recognize the name mason but i couldn't tell you anything about like the actual characters i really enjoyed all of the black ops campaigns that we've gotten so far and it being a direct sequel i think is a smart move because the original black ops was one of the most successful call of duties and i really liked the direction that treyarch took it obviously the inception of zombies was huge for the call of duty franchise not just for the multiplayer community but for content creators as well the the lore around zombies has always been super popular with all of the secrets and the things that they kind of bake into into zombies. So 
I think it's smart of them to bring the campaign back, though, because they are able to do certain things technologically with the campaign that they can't really accomplish with multiplayer. And what I've really loved about the way Activision has run the Call of Duty franchise is that they've really empowered the team through making billions of dollars with this franchise to use the latest technology. I had a really awesome time when I was at Infinity Ward last year as part of Judges Week with Greg, actually, where they showed us some of the new tech that they were working on with mm -hmm. Modern Warfare and some of the kind of cutting edge, like photogrammetry stuff they were doing and animation and sound techniques, stuff that a lot of dev studios can't afford to do, that Call of Duty is really kind of pushing forward because they have the funds to do it. And I really like that they keep putting that technology back into the game. And I think it's something that Call of Duty never gets credit for because it's popular to hate Call of Duty. But yeah. I mean, those games are really well made. I mean, yeah, they're some of the best shooters on the planet. And I feel like that is that is like a hard thing to kind of argue against on a technical level because like they they back it up, right? Like to all the things you, you said about the photogrammetry and the sound design and all the different stuff and like the, the game feel. Even when, uh, when Warzone came out early this year, right? Like I, I found it, uh when it was first releasing i was like man call of duty doing another battle royale let's see how this works man we got apex we got a bunch of other battle royale games like is call of duty really going to put out another one and drop drop it out of nowhere in a february and expect people people to flock to it and lo and behold like people flock to it and people love it and it is so many people's favorite battle royale right now because it is call of duty and, and, it, and it is quality the thing i want to shout out is how how much they adjust like because you mentioned how the the previous black ops didn't have a campaign and you know, from reports, like, that is very much a thing of, hey, yeah, we couldn't get the campaign together. Like, we were seeing so much uh, difficulty uh, this time around with figuring out how to do a campaign. And this is a franchise that has been yearly for, like, as long as I can remember at this point, right? Like, since the PS3, Xbox 360 generation, they have uh, stuck to a yearly schedule for this game and have not uh, um, uh, shifted at all. And that, that, that has come with, uh, like, you know, weird steps and interesting choices like putting no campaign in black ops four was it? yeah black ops it 4. was black ops four yeah yeah but i mean they have so many studios underneath the umbrella of the call of duty franchise that are working on it not even like the big three right i mean i think a lot of times people forget about studios like raven software forget about mm -hmm. studios like Beanox that are are part of that as well i mean and activision's you know umbrella of studios is is vast and so they're able to kind of offset the yeah. development cycles to but even, make sure that even, they have that. But even Warzone is a big year, wrinkle. Like even the fact that this year we're getting a Call of Duty from Treyarch when their last game was only two years ago. Like that is that is a big shift for that studio, right? Because that is a two-year cycle instead of a, a three-year one, right? And you like you're you're saying, right? Warzone came out at the beginning of this year. Like they they the way that they adjust and shift and you know take risks for all intents and purposes in order to get their their games out and to, to stay relevant like it's actually pretty impressive absolutely but again they've got the money they can do it they got the budget <laughs> uh speaking of opening night live though story number four ratchet and clank is coming to opening night live this is from adam bankhurst at ign gamescom opening night live which will stream live on thursday august 27th will feature the first full uncut gameplay demo of ratchet and clank rift apart for ps5 and real premieres from call of duty black ops cold war fall Guys season two doom eternals campaign expansion star wars squadrons world of warcraft shadowlands and more uh ratchet and Clank Rift Apart was revealed at the PS5 reveal event in June, and Keeley tweeted that this new look will be a full, longer, uncut demo. Uh, and Jeff Keeley 
also has been tweeting even since like the show started barrett shared this with me uh you know even more games have been revealed for opening night live just this morning uh like little nightmares 2 which jeff uh, jeff tweeted and said there's gonna be a gameplay premiere of that game and i'm scrolling through his twitter as i talk uh we're gonna get more on medal of honor above and beyond which is coming to oculus this holiday uh and is a respawn game which somehow totally just missed me because i did not realize oh, they're putting out a vr game on Oculus. yeah so years ago respawn revealed that they were working on a first person shooter for vr and we've seen a lot of fps in vr but we haven't really seen any done very well because developing for VR is, is challenging. And so when Respawn announced that, I think a lot of people kind of like their ears perked up of like, oh, Respawn, mm -hmm. they're good at shooters. What are they working on? And then, you know, Vince revealed, I think last year um, at EA Play that it was Medal of Honor was the title that they were working on. But we haven't seen anything of it really. So I think this will be a, a really nice reveal that, you know, we're going to get for VR. But I mean, Oculus is having its own drama. <laughs> so yeah. So, oh yeah, with that don't, with that Facebook account news that was so started. disappointing last week. Yeah, I mean that's gonna be exciting to see, right? Because when we talk about the best first-person shooters, right? Like Respawn is a name that's gonna get thrown in there, especially when you when you factor in Apex and then also Titanfall, right? Like they're up there in terms of studios that can make incredible first-person shooters. You factor in Medal of Honor, that's when I start to be like, oh, all right, we'll see about this because Medal of Honor, I don't think has had. Is it just because it's a it's a war shooter? It's not your thing. No, it's more so like Medal of Honor hasn't had a, a great game in a long while, right? Like I, I remember Medal of Honor getting not great entries on the PS3. Yeah, that studio, I mean, not that studio really, but like that franchise has been quiet for a while. And I don't think that that's a bad thing. I think that there was just a little too much competition in the war shooter space, though. For some reason, there seems to be an unending appetite for old war content that I personally just don't get. I prefer fantasy shooters mm -hmm. um, to realistic war shooters. but. I think that the fact that they're doing it in VR is an interesting angle, and I mean, I'm I'm curious to see what it looks like. Yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely down to play this um, because one, I love respawn, but then two, like you know, virtual reality, I'm always down for. Oculus, I'm usually always down for, except this Facebook thing has been bumming me out. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, like I mean, we talked a little bit earlier about opening night live. Uh, and how like you know this seems like it's going to gear up to be one of the biggest, if not the biggest, event so far. Th uh, this year, Ratchet and Clank specifically, though, like that's an exciting one because I, I mean, I've been of the mind that Ratchet and Clank is probably gonna be like a, a game that comes out later next year. But the fact that we got that gameplay reveal at the PS5 event and we're getting another gameplay showcase already might mean this game is coming out earlier than we think. Right? It might be early next year. I saw some people on Twitter theorizing launch, and I can't, I can't imagine Insomniac has two games at launch. Um, but I mean. Who knows? Do you have any thoughts on what we can expect from Ratchet & Clank? Yeah, Ratchet & Clank feels like a Q1 or a Q2 release for 2021 for me. Like I, I'm with you that I don't, I don't know why they would want to put that much pressure on the studio to try to do Spider-Man, Miles Morales, and Ratchet & Clank at the same time. But obviously very different style games hitting different audience segments. And if Sony doesn't have really anything else that they want to push, then maybe they would. But I personally have never been a big Ratchet & Clank fan and it's not because the game is bad by any means it's just a game that was never that exciting to me and i think did, that did this you play 2015 or 2016's ratchet and clank i played very little of it um okay. mostly in demo events and then i started the game and never finished it but i think that it's just that kind of gameplay isn't isn't exciting to me doesn't blow my skirt up 
mm-hmm. it doesn't mean it's bad again. It's just not, it's just not for me. Just like Little Big Planet was not really a game that I was really excited to play because it's just not the style of game that I'm interested in anymore. And I don't think that that's bad. I'm excited to see it. It looks really cool. The demo that we saw at the PS5 reveal event, like the graphically looked awesome. And I know that that franchise has a really long established legacy. So I'm sure people are going to be very excited to see an uncut demo. I hope that it's a live demo, but probably won't be. Yeah, with the way like things are set up now, right? Like you imagine this is going to be some sort of stream as opposed to an I mean, it can't be an on-stage event. And so I wonder what that does for live demos if that's even possible because you imagine that this whole thing is probably pre-recorded maybe. Like I don't know if that's been a detail that's come out yet. Kind of slash you're wrong if they've said whether or not this whole thing is pre-recorded, but I imagine for the most part like this is this is stuff that is all uh already set and ready to go. Um, well, some of it, but Jeff has been clear that he really likes the live format specifically, and I believe it's not the the entire opening night live isn't isn't pre-recorded, but I'm sure mm-hmm. certain dev sections are. The real challenging part to communicate to some people is that even if you are able to do a live demo, the difference in bandwidth rates around the world of people watching the stream inherently is going to bring out the trolls were like, this game looks like garbage, blah, 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 whatever, not remembering, oh yeah, like it's getting compressed to go over the stream. That's why so many developers now are really pushing people to watch the videos afterwards where you can like change the resolution to 4K, where you can change the resolution to, you know, above like 720p if you want to. And I think that's always going to be a challenge in these virtual events, but there is definitely ways to do demos live. They're just challenging. Yeah. Uh, to Ratchet and Clank though, like I'm, I, I'm excited to see it for the sense of uh, this is a tweet from like uh, the homie Paris. Uh, he made this tweet earlier today, talking about how like yeah, like Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, from what we've seen, is a truly next gen gameplay experience, right? And that's I think he's basically referencing like the the actual rifts where you are going between levels seamlessly and stuff, right? Like that is that is a a very exciting game in terms of showcasing the power of the playstation 5 and so that is like what i'm specifically excited to to see from that game um but again opening night live two nights away we're live reacting to it twitch.tv slash kind of funny games tune in me andy greg and tim uh talking about all them games and all that good stuff uh but for now our last news story for the day story number five microsoft's big quadruple a studio makes some big hires this is from jordan allman at ign uh, microsoft has tapped top talent from bungie and crystal dynamics to join join its mysterious quadruple a studio the initiative among the 16 new hires revealed on LinkedIn by studio head Daryl Gallagher, we can see that Shadow of the Tomb Raider and Marvel's Avengers director Remy Lacoste has made the jump to the initiative to work as an exper- experiential director. Destiny 2 narrative lead writer, uh, or not lead writer, Destiny 2 narrative lead Christine Thompson has also joined the studio in a lead writer position. We're yet to learn what the studio is working on with our latest clue arriving from Xbox head Phil Spencer, who revealed the initiative quote, uh, is challenging themselves to do new things and old things in new ways, end quote, whatever that means. Andrea, (laughs) what does that mean? I hope it means that they're looking at more shared world experiences, especially if they have people from Bungie there, which we know they have multiple people from Bungie at the initiative now. I love that they've been able to keep whatever they're working on secret. I mean, I hate it, but I love it. I think that... Mm. 
the hype around new games and new projects is something that we all love about working in the video games industry and something that we can rally around and get excited about, you know, that Tim Gettys Gatorade get hype moment, right? Yeah. And the fact that we haven't seen what they're working on is crazy. That they're referring to it as like a quadruple A experience is also maybe just a little bit of marketing fluff, but I'm... I'm really curious to see how they're going to innovate. We're seeing a lot of people do interesting things in the space, particularly in the online section of that. And what I think Destiny has done really well with their shared world experience is really have this seamless multiplayer where people can drop into an event, like a public event, and play that together. And then their fire team can run off and do an adventure, go on a strike. And it all feels a lot more seamless than we got even at the beginning of this generation, and really not many other games are able to pull off what Destiny does from a multiplayer aspect, and obviously, like, Destiny fangirl, like, everybody knows that, but I feel like they never get enough credit, Bungie as a studio, for what they were able to accomplish for multiplayer in Destiny and Destiny 2, and we still don't have, like I said, a lot of other studios that are attempting that, so if they can take something and really push it forward narratively, which obviously is lacking in a franchise like Destiny, then I think that they could have, you know, a home run for a really like mega successful game. I'm putting my money on Perfect Dark. I think they're working on Perfect Dark. I think we're <laughs> going to see it soon, and I'm very excited about it. Because you imagine when it, when they when they mention Quadruple A, right? Like you're 100 correct in terms of it being like a, a a marketing term. But when I think of Quadruple A, I think of things like a God of War or like a Last of Us Part Two or like a GTA Five, right? And like GTA Five, of course, has live service game elements that could be like compared to a destiny i can see and, uh, and i guess this comes back to like what what can a perfect dark game be in 2020 or, pro- or 2022 when this thing probably comes out right and i could see it being the best of both worlds where it is this first person let's just say open world uh i can't remember if perfect dark takes place in space i know there are aliens in it um but like let's say open world you do space exploration or whatever you would do in a perfect dark game but there is some sort of multiplayer element in it that is, you know, forever expanding. Because I, I think what is missing from that first person, or not first person, first party uh, Xbox catalog is something that is like a, hey man, this like this is your 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 narrative experience that is, uh, you know, something that you're uh, uh, invested in, like even more so than a Halo or in a Gears, because I know those those games have their their single player campaigns that people are are really into. Like something that goes beyond that, something that feels bigger than that, and something that feels new, right? And Perfect Dark, of course, old, but can feel new if you treat it correctly. Uh, that's that's fair. my prediction. Yeah. I mean, I that that's a bold prediction. I like it. I like that it's because bold. he says challenging themselves to do new things and old things in new ways, and that old things is, is what speaks very loudly in that quote. Perfect dark. I mean, that's time. one way to read it. I, I see old things in new ways. And I and I just think more about game design versus actual IP. Mm-hmm. I think about, you know, the way multiplayer has evolved and also how it stayed the same because certain elements of multiplayer, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? But obviously all things should evolve and, and, and get better and iterate. And that's what's so great about the video game industry at large and the interactive medium that is video games is that we see so much more innovation in video game creation than we do in other artistic mediums because the fan base is excited about that and they're willing to put money into buying products that do that. And the technology in games is really exciting. But I don't, I don't know if Perfect Dark is 
something that Microsoft would want to spend potentially hundreds of millions of dollars on. It feels like a really risky gamble. One of the highest, one of the highest rated games of all time. Doesn't, like I, doesn't matter. Highest rated doesn't always equal best selling. I can see that, but mm. we shall see. Andrew, I'm very mm. excited to see if Perfect Dark is the actual game that uh, the initiative is working on. But the announcement of that is probably so far away. If I want to know what's coming out to Mom and Grop shops today, where would I look? Why, Blessing, you would go to the official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily show hosts each and every weekday. Kevin with all the automated sound bites today. Kevin, I want to hear that mouth. Kevin, say something. I want to know you're alive and well. He's probably not even at the desk. He probably walked away. Kevin, you good? Are you, you on mute, today? Kevin? Did you mute yourself? Oh, he's, he's not, not even, he's not he's even not responding. There. He's, he's not, right. not there. I'm just trying to decide what voice to use. Hmm. Uh, what's up? Are you tired today? What, what, what's going on? I mean, I appreciate I appreciate you being doing the, the automated Some stuff. Like, you, just wanna mix it up. you just want to be creative? Okay, that's fine. That's cool. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, but I'm here. I'm all part there. of me. Part of me was like, what if Kevin's not there? What if what if it's Paula that is actually like man, that would be really funny. the show that today? That would be really that'd be funny. hilarious. And that'd be her, genius. And have her just take over, but yeah. use voices to hide the fact that it's not me. That's real funny, bless. That's that'd real be funny. real good. That'd be a real good show. It's like at the end I'm of the show, with too, Cecil like, at the moment. He's playing tug of war. Oh, you I want to kind of see him flashing it and out. Yeah. There it is. What a good boy. Out Amazing today, guess. we got uh, Kanagawa Jet Girls for PS4 and PC, Death End Request 2 for PS4, Descenders for PS4, Draft and Annika for PS4 and Switch, No Straight Roads for PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC, Street Power Soccer for PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC, Sense, a Cyberpunk Ghost Story for PC, Vader Immortal, a Star Wars VR story for PSVR. Finally! Do- Gear Club, yeah, finally, I'm excited to check that out. Uh, Gear Club Ulti- or Gear Club Unlimited Two Tracks Edition for Switch, Roll for the Galaxy for PC, Beat Beat for PC, Cellular Harvest for PC, Jessica for PC and Mac, Home Designer Living Room for PC, uh, Audi Housekeeper for PC, and then Over the Alps for Switch. Uh, new dates: Borderlands Campaign DLC, Psycho Krieg, and the Fantastic Fuster Cluck releases on September 10th. Uh, Paradise Killer is coming to PC and Nintendo Switch on September 4th. And that's actually one that I'm really excited for. That is like the stylish uh, first-person detective murder uh, game that I think they showed off at New Game Plus Expo. Uh, I'm looking forward to that one. I want to try it on Switch when that comes out. And that's, that comes out again on September 4th. And then Cloud Gardens will be launching to Steam Early Access on September 9th. Now it's time. For reader mail, you can write into patreon.com slash kind of funny games where you can get the show ad free. And speaking of ads, this episode of Kind of Funny Games Daily is brought to you by Klarna. Thanks to Klarna for supporting Kind of Funny Games Daily in Sweden. They don't shop, they Klarna. Klarna is a revolutionary new online shopping app from Sweden that allows you to shop thousands of online stores and pay for anything in four easy, interest-free payments that make shopping smoother. With the Klarna app, you can shop anywhere online from the one app. It's easy to use and convenient to browse thousands of online stores from one convenient place. Pay for anything in four easy, interest-free payments. Paying after delivery allows you to try before you buy and you can also report returns directly in the app get the best deals 
swift customized price drop alerts on items you've saved to your wish list. It's always good to shop smarter and save money. Uh, you can create and share wish lists of items with friends and family anywhere online. It's a fun, easy way to show what kind of products you like. Tim loves how easy it is to find what you're looking for and get set up. Klarna is a smoother, friendlier, Swedisher way to shop online. It's the one-stop shopping app for browsing and buying anything online. All in one app and allows you to pay for anything in four easy, interest-free payments. Download the Klarna app today. That's that's, uh, K-L-A-R-N-A. That's Swedish for shopping. We're also brought to you by Bespoke Post. As we all settle into this new normal version of summer, Bespoke Post is here with customized box of awesome collections for guys guaranteed to upgrade your life. Right now, more than ever, you got to make sure to treat yourself and the assortments of boxes available from Bespoke will help you do just that. They've got boxes featuring nice bags, wallets, kitchenware, and more. I scrolled through their site earlier, and I was blown away by the amount of varied items I wanted to get my hands on. That's not just a thing that I wrote for the ad. I was genuinely blown away when I was scrolling through uh, Bespoke this weekend uh, trying to see what they're all about. And let me tell you. Knife set? So much cooler than it needs to be, man. Yeah. It was so hard to get that. All the boxes are so cool. Yeah, if I wasn't so obsessed with Hugh, it would have been like easier to go to something else. Yeah, uh, Bespoke Post only sends guys the best stuff every month. No matter what you're into, Box of Awesome has you covered. From style and grooming goods to barware, cooking tools, and outdoor gear, Box of Awesome has carefully built collections for every part of your life. One of the boxes called Laced comes with a comfy pair of suede shoes that look super stylish. I plan to wear mine every day when they get delivered. Let me tell you, this is another like peek behind the scenes kind of thing because Tim was the one that hit us up and he was like, hey, we're being sponsored by by Bespoke Post. Go on their website, check it out, see like see what they're all about, you know, uh, you know, figure out how you want to talk about it for the ad, see if there's anything you actually want. And legit, like Kevin was talking about the knife set earlier, and I looked at that and I was like, man, I would like a life a, a knife set. Oh man, I'd like the 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 hue, the hue dim light set. Like all this stuff looks cool, but I saw the laced set, and that is what spoke to me. Those shoes are fresh, and I cannot wait to get my hands on them. Uh, to get started, take the quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help uh, help them pick the right box of awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories. It's free to sign up and you can skip a month or cancel at any time. Each box costs only 45 bucks. That's over $70 worth of gear inside. Get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter code games at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, code GAMES for 20% off your first purchase. Angel Renee. Yes. Grayling T writes in to patreon.com slash games like the audience can and says, whoa, what, what's, what's that, Kevin? That, that was, was another, my bad. Uh, I left something on. I don't usually do that. My, my bad. This is very embarrassing in front of Andrew. Oh, no, I'm sorry, Kevin, Andrew. Kevin, let me tell you, PSLV Web XOXO went up this morning, and you were in top form. And, you know, sometimes you have those days. Sometimes you have these days where it's like, let me just push all the buttons to see what happens. I have no you know memory. what? It's a great, it's a great no episode out of the way. I've gotten some tweets about it. I don't remember anything about it, but I'm, I'm happy that where, you enjoyed it. It was the one where, like, you remember we did, like, the PS5 watch and you had the graphic right on deck. Like, you were ready for it. And then also, like, Greg, we had it the sandwich conversation together. and we needed to reference, like, certain things. And you brought up the things in a timely fashion. Kevin, you killed it on PS to love you. And that's why we love you. Uh that's very sweet. Grayling T writes sweet, in man. and says, uh, "Good morning, blessing and Andrea. Blessing. Since we get updates on Gary's weight, Porty, Kevin, Bruce, what are you if, doing? What Blessing's is Kevin trying doing? to read the question. <laughs> Did he what? forget his mic on, or was he Did saying you, You're just like mumbling on the mic. <laughs> you're mumbling on the mic. <laughs> no, Probably I'm not. He forgot his mic was on and just kept talking. 
let me read this one more time from Grayling T. Grayling T writes in the Patreon.com, so it's kind of funny games, and says, Good morning, Blessing and Andrea. Blessing, since we get updates on Gary's weight, Porty, Moose, and Cecile, we need your own update. What's your review on the Popeye's chicken sandwich? Thanks. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we've talked about this over the last week or so, right? The Popeye's chicken sandwich is a sandwich that I've not tried out, and I've been talking all about the Jollibee chicken sandwich because I had the Jollibee chicken sandwich, and it blew me away. It was excellent. It was very tasty. Uh, before I even get into it, Andrea, have you tried the Jollibee and or po- Popeye's chicken sandwich? I've tried the Popeye's chicken sandwich. Don't know what Jollibee is. Okay. Jollibee is a, is a uh, um, uh, Filipino fast food chain, I believe. Uh, and it's like around the corner for me literally here. And I'm and I'm all about it's it. Great. It is oh, very tasty. Andrea, it is fantastic. It is great. Tim, feel- Tim was hating on it on Saturday. Tim's an idiot. Tim's an idiot. You don't ever you, listen to him. He's an mm-hmm. idiot that only eats where someone else drives him to, all right? So I'll take him to Jollibee at some point. Please do. Please do. Get him the chicken sandwich, because it sounds like he hadn't had the, ch- the chicken sandwich. Uh, Bless, do you have any updates about this chicken sandwich? I, I'm, I'm happy to confirm that I did try out the chicken sandwich on Saturday. And mm-hmm. I talked a little bit about it on the DC fandom stream. Uh, but to reiterate and give my review here, it's very tasty. You guys are right. That, that was a very good sandwich. It was the correct amount of moisture it was the correct temperature the bread was the correct amount of softness like everything you want about a chicken sandwich it had uh but to compare it to the Jollibee chicken sandwich which has reign supreme uh for me right in comparison they're about equal i gotta say they're about equal uh, I, it's hard man. for me to crown a, a, a winner bless, like they're both bless. equal amounts of tasty to me i'm here's sorry the thing here's the thing what's up kevin a couple days ago i went and had one Oh, you did? The Popeye. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then I had one yesterday, too. And I'm thinking about going to get one today. Yeah. Because, whoo. That thing is, that thing it, is the That fire. thing is, did you get the spicy or the regular? I got the regular. Oh, you fucked up. You oh, the, the spicy, spicy one is Was, where it's I at. Should I get the spicy? Maybe if yeah. I get the spicy, that'll Because it, what's it great over. about the spicy one is that it's got like a, a nice, like, slow heat to it. That's and good. it's not oh. saucy, so you don't get, like, sauce and shit all over your mouth. So mm-hmm. it's... It's really good, but neither of you have talked about Bonchon and the what glorious is, what is fried bonchon? chicken that is Bonchon. What the hell are you saying? What is a Bonchon? That's not, it's that's a, it's, a co- it's Korean fried chicken fast food. Oh, I love Korean fried chicken. Is I feel like that can't thing? count, though. Is that's a whole LA different thing? thing. No, it's in the Bay. Bonchon's bonchon? all over the Bay. Bonchon? I, I can't we even cannot, spell We it. cannot compare Korean fried chicken to, to regular fried chicken because <laughs> that is going to be superior every single time. Yeah. That Korean sauce is so good. Got it. Now I don't know if I want to get Korean wings or Jollibee chicken sandwich. This is the thing I'll say also, though. This is the the thing I'll say also. Is I feel like part of what elevated the Popeye's chicken sandwich for me was the fries. Because the Popeye's fries were very superior to the Jollibee fries. Though, on the other hand, Jollibee had the pineapple juice. Which was very superior to the sprite that I got with my uh, Popeye's chicken sandwich, and so like I, I'm trying, I'm I'm trying to judge the sandwiches alone, but the fact of the matter is they 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 come with things on the side when I get the combo, and that is going to affect my experience. And those fries really affected my experience because those fries were tasty. Bless. While we're talking about it, what is your stance mm-hmm. on the little snackers? I think they may maybe they changed their name. You know the the little ones from KFC. You know what I'm talking. Oh, I've not tried those. No. You've never tried them? I mean, they're very basic. I don't think I've ever tried those little snackers either. Come on. Come on. I don't go there that often. But did either of you see McDonald's tweet this morning? Spicy chicken nuggets everywhere on September 16th? Oh, shit. I'm going. 
Wait, do they not usually have spicy chicken? Only no, select locations yeah. had them. They oh. were testing it out. Turns out the test People worked. People like spicy stuff. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. Where did well, Kevin? Where did where did we usually get spicy chicken nuggets Wendy's. from when we're at the office? Wendy's oh, spicy Wendy's. nugs are amazing, and if uh, if Mickey D's can grab a little bit of that heat, I'm all in, guys. I'm all in. <laughs> oh no, Kevin's <laughs> Kevin's lost it. Uh, now it is time to squat up. Ben writes in with a squat up on PS4 and says, "Hello, everyone. I need help on Fall Guys." I have all the trophies but one, and it's the squad goals trophy where you win with at least two other people. I love to group up with some people and play some Fall Guys to get this trophy and have some mad fun. I can also give advice on any level and would help and would love to help others as well. My PSN name is the Punisher three zero nine. That is the Punisher three zero nine, spelled how it sounds. Now it's time. For one of them rotating segments, we haven't done one of these in a while. It's a required reading. Uh, this is one that I was making the rounds this morning, and I was going to include it as a news story, but it didn't seem like it's it's newsy, but it didn't seem newsy enough to have like a, a media conversation about it. And it's in and, and there's a lot going on here, and so I'm going to make it your required reading. Uh, the Seeking City has been pulled from stores amid a legal dispute. Uh, I have an excerpt from gamesindustry.biz, James Batchelor. I'm going to read the first few paragraphs, and then I encourage people who are listening to go actually read the full, the full story on gamesindustry.biz because it's actually very fascinating to see what went down here. But the portion I'll read goes like this. Ukrainian developer Frogwares has pulled its 2019 action game, The Seeking City, from Steam and other notable stores in the middle of a legal dispute with its publisher. The studio says it was forced to terminate the contract with Nacon, formerly Big Ben Interactive, which alleges breached uh, several clauses of the licensing agreement for the game. The contract was terminated earlier this year, but the publisher has still been receiving revenue from the sales of The Seeking City, compelling Frogwares to pull the game. Frogware claims Nacon owes around 1 million euros in royalties. Uh, again, they continue on in the story. It's a longer story, and so I, I, I didn't feel like condensing it down because I didn't want to leave out uh, details uh, if we included it as a Roper Report story. But again, go check that out. Learn about it. Form an opinion about it. Do all that good stuff. Now it's time for comicfunny.com slash you're wrong. Rewrite it and let us know what we got wrong as we got it wrong. Uh, let's see. We got editorialization, rumors. Uh, X90 writes in and says, Microsoft does have similar terms, but they have a tiered system. Similar to, to Apple traffic found uh, from inside the store is charged at 30%. However, if a person comes to the store from an external link from the developer's website, Microsoft waives their fee. And so like, that's not really your wrong. It's added context, but there you go. Uh, Every time we talk about this, people always write in to, to let us know. Um, but I'll say it anyway. Charles Jacobson says Insomniac has multiple studios with multiple teams at both studios. Uh, which, like, I don't think either of either of us were confused about that. But no, you know, it's it's a fair thing to point out, right? Talking about Insomniac putting out two games at launch, right? Like they have two studios. But I still think them putting out two games at launch would still uh, be a lot for that Insomniac umbrella. Yeah, I mean, like Ubisoft has dozens and dozens of studios but they still don't do launches on top of each other if they can avoid it right exactly you don't want to cannibalize your own studio's work by having it too close to another one yeah but even with Ra ratchet and clank and spider-man which are very different games they are somewhat like they, they have some similarities between them too like i feel like in, when you think of insomniac game they have 
uh, like that insomniac energy to him, which is like, hey, it's, it's colorful. Like you know, it 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 moves. Like they're they're very animated in like the 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 movement and like there there's there's an insomniac style and feel feel to their studio games that I feel like you wouldn't want necessarily on top of each other. Um, especially when you have like a bunch of other games coming out too. Like I know Deathloop got delayed, but who knows when Demon Souls comes out? All that other stuff. Uh, Listen, nanobiologists. Yes, you are technically correct about Unity and Rogue for Assassin's Creed, but look what happened to Rogue. Yeah, dude. Look at it. All right. Oh yeah, Nanobot's talking about how. Yeah, I mean, arguably a superior to game to Unity, but that's a conversation Don't explain. for Don't another. And time. also, like, weren't those different platforms? Didn't Unity launch on PS4 and Rogue? Was Rogue PS3? only launched on yeah. PC, and no, then PS3, it, it, right? in, like in, PS, in previous platforms, I think. Yeah. And yeah, old, the old generation. Yeah, and yes. then it came later to new gen. Um, but like, I think that it's no question which one did better. And uh, also, and like, the, it probably would have... I think Rogue would have done a lot more sales if they had just held it until they could have released it on the new generation. But they didn't. Just think about it, dude. Just think just think about it. Uh, Timmy Buddy says you missed that Project Cars 3 release today. And then one more from Nano. Well, actually, this is more editorialization. Nano wrote in and said, do you, bo- do you both not consider the medium an Xbox Series X exclusive truly next gen with it rendering two worlds at once and displaying both on one screen? And this is what I'll, I'll say to that. Like, I, I think the idea of rendering two worlds at once and like being able to switch between the two isn't inherently a a next gen feature just in itself. It it depends on how it is implemented and like the like the parts of the of the technology it is taking advantage of. And so like that is very much like an SSD thing, right? In terms of how the game loads uh, and what that allows you to do. But like we've had games on current gen you have the two world th- things going on in moderation, right? Like both Dishonored two and Titanfall two did that uh uh in parts of their games um but yeah if the medium is actually like truly an an xbox series x exclusive and is using those parts of the um the series x to do that then like yeah i would would consider that for sure and that is it for you're wrong uh tomorrow's hosts are tim gettys and gary witta and of course this has been kind of funny games daily each and every weekday live right here on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games we run you through the nerdy news you need to know about we have a patreon post show for those that are subbed at the silver level of patreon.com slash kind of funny games so stick around for that otherwise until next time game daily <laughs>